In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God in his mercy has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
hear our prayers, and having set us free from the bonds of our sins, deliver us from every evil. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for Quinquagesima Sunday Nearly 50 days to Easter is recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 16, the account of David chosen to succeed King Saul. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. 
And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I name to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And Samuel said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was. When they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then Jesse said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good-looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is recorded in St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, 
I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter. Glory Praise to you, O Lord. Jesus took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, I am going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. Then it happened, as Jesus was coming near Jer Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging, and hearing a multitude passing by, he asked, what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. 
But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ.
name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Luther's great hymn, Dear Christians, One and All Rejoice, is a sermon in itself, and I'm tempted to simply sit down, but I am not allowed to. The Word of God is the Gospel for today, Luke 18. Jesus took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. This is the word of the Lord. It is amazing how something can be standing right in front of you and you do not see it. This Quinquagesimus Sunday has a lot of curious ironies. In the Old Testament reading, Samuel was sent to anoint the successor to King Saul. And Samuel was certain that the eldest son would be the one who was chosen, tall and handsome. But the Lord said, he does not judge as man judges at the outward appearance. And then one might expect that the king that would be chosen would be an ugly man. But finally, when David is brought before him, we hear from the prophet that he was ruddy and good-looking. But he was chosen not for his looks, but because the Lord had fashioned David to be a man after his own heart. Man does not see as God sees. We cannot see, for example, how any good can possibly come out of someone lying helpless in a hospital bed or a nursing home for months or years on end. But God may see in this the greatest good. In the midst of suffering, he accomplishes his good. Sight is a wonderful blessing. The other night I couldn't sleep. I slipped out of bed about 2 o'clock in the morning. I went downstairs to the family room to read. I carefully closed the master bedroom door so as not to disturb Beth. And after about an hour, I crept upstairs in the darkness. I knew it well, the path, only to turn and smack right into the door of the master bedroom. <laughs> With eyes wide open, I ran into the door that I couldn't see. I forgot that I had closed it. In the Bible, the miracle of sight is more than the physical ability to see. The miracle of sight is a metaphor for the greater miracle of faith in Christ, faith in his suffering and death, as not only the sum and substance of our salvation, but that which enables each one of us to interpret the suffering of our own lives. At the beginning of today's gospel, Jesus taught the disciples 
that his death and his resurrection are at the center of our faith. Jesus must go up to Jerusalem. He must be delivered to the Gentiles and be mocked and insulted and spit upon. He must be scourged and put to death upon a cross. But the third day he would rise again to life. When the disciples heard this, they understood none of it, even though it was right in front of their eyes. They were blinded to the truth, even though they had physical sight. Ironically, the blind beggar is the one who could see. But the ones who could see, the disciples, were the ones who were blind. That is delightful. Make no mistake about it, physical blindness is a bummer. No one enjoys being blind. I tried to park cars the other Friday night without my glasses because they were fogging up and I couldn't see anything. This blind man was a beggar. Because uh, he was a beggar, he could not provide for himself. He was totally dependent upon others outside of himself. But through the things that he suffered, he learned to see greater truths. And he learned to understand the value of suffering in his own life. That's counterintuitive. It fights against human reason but it is the wisdom and the sight of faith. He learned how dependent he was upon the Lord. He learned that the blessing of physical sight meant nothing. Without the sight of faith that looked to his Redeemer for his greatest need, life and salvation from sin and death, from which none of us can free ourselves, no matter how well we can see or how healthy we might be. We need to learn this lesson, but we don't want to. Suffering and death are not only central to God's plan of salvation, but suffering and death are also central to how God brings about the miracle of faith and sustains the miracle of faith in our hearts in this world of tears. This is called the theology of the cross. God accomplishes his greatest good through suffering and death and when human reason is contradicted. The greatest pattern is the source of good in Jesus' suffering and death to human reason, to the disciples, to those who were the onlookers. Could anything good come out of this? But the greatest good emanated from the suffering and death of the cross, life, resurrection, reconciliation with God. This is the light that enables us to see rightly. But this is the light also through which Jesus brings the comfort of his salvation into our lives. It is through the things that we suffer that this comfort becomes the sweetest. Luther said in one of his very famous quotations from the bondage of the will, when God makes alive, he does it by killing. Think of it. 
he put to death his son. And out of his son's death for you and for me and for the whole world, he reconciled us to God and brought life. Luther says when he justifies, he does it by making men guilty. Here again, without the crushing blow of the knowledge and reality of our sin, we have no need for his forgiveness. Nor can that forgiveness comfort us or restore life with God. Finally, Luther says, when he exalts to heaven, he does it by bringing down to hell. He wrote about it in that hymn, Dear Christians, One and All Rejoice. Dear dear Christians, One and All Rejoice, the stanza fast bound in Satan's chains I lay. Death brooded darkly o'er me. Sin was my torment. Night and day in sin my mother bore me. Yea, deep and deeper still I fell. My life became a living hell. So firmly sin possessed me. That was Luther's autobiographical confession of his own suffering as a sinner under the weight of God's law from which he could not free himself. We don't want to face the reality of our sin. But it is necessary if we are to see our need and if faith is to be kindled in our hearts, if we are to see who we really are, and who Jesus really is. The children of Israel were brought low by the things that they suffered. Or there would have been no repentance for them. Peter, who boasted in his own spiritual strength, wept the bitter tears of contrition when he experienced just how utterly powerless he was to be a faithful disciple of the Lord. But such experience with suffering was necessary. Believe it or not, we need to experience the same things. Without experiencing the blindness of our own lack of trust, we cannot begin to see the light of the glory of God in the face of Christ. God's grace God's grace, his forgiveness, comfort, and peace is that he freely loves us sinners in our suffering and struggle with sin and human weakness. He freely loves us in his son who came to bear every sickness and sorrow and infirmity and every struggle with sin and every burden and judgment of the law. He planned my soul's salvation Luther says, a father's heart, he turned to me, sought my redemption fervently. He gave his dearest treasure. Those words of Luther's hymn are a confession of the miracle of faith that the Holy Spirit worked in his heart through the things that he suffered. And when that gospel finally penetrated his heart of self-righteousness, a heart that was angry with God, that hated God, he said he felt as if the entire windows of heaven had been flung wide open and the burden of sin had been lifted. Dear Christians, one and all rejoice. That God works this way through the experience of our own suffering is something that is difficult for us to understand. Yet it is true. 
That's why St. Paul will say after being told, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Just as Jesus' death upon the cross was the necessary cause of the resurrection from the dead because it took away sin that is the cause of death, so God must put us to death through the things that we suffer so that we come to embrace no one else but Jesus for our happiness, comfort, and life. In another hymn, we sing Jesus' priceless treasure. In thine arms I rest me, foes who would molest me cannot reach me here. Though the earth be shaking, every heart be quaking, Jesus calms my fear. Lightnings flash and thunders crash, yet though sin, my own sin and hell assail me, Jesus will not fail. Those kinds of experiences with the reality of our human weakness are so essential in order to embrace and see clearly the light of divine grace in the Lord Jesus. While this blind beggar cried out to Jesus, we see actually that spiritual sight had already been worked in him through the things that he suffered and by the word of the gospel, because once he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, what did he do? Son of David, have mercy on me. And over and over and over again, he prayed those words, no matter how many times the people said, shut up, be quiet. No, he was undeterred. That's the reality of faith. Faith sees through the darkness. Faith sees through the circumstances of life that seem to be against us and claims the mercy of God in Christ, apart from which there is no life or comfort. He had no idea when his suffering would end, but he knew, he knew and he believed that Jesus was his Savior. Even if he'd suffer with blindness for the rest of his life, nothing mattered more than Christ. We need to learn to believe this now during these times, in which the world is full of darkness, Unbelief, mistrust, hair on fire, frenetic frenzy over a virus. Nothing matters more than to embrace our suffering Savior who himself took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. This is the only path to comfort and peace. Luther was right because he echoed the scriptures. When God makes alive, he does it by killing. When he justifies, he does it by making men guilty. When he exalts to heaven, he does it by bringing down to hell. But what all this means is, for those who embrace his suffering and rejoice in his grace in the midst of their own, there will be a resurrection Receive your sight, your faith in the Lord Jesus. Christ the crucified has made you well. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Let us confess our faith 
with the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, and I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the Church of God and for all people in Christ Jesus. O Lord our God, you have opened the eyes of the blind to see and the ears of the deaf to hear. As we prepare to enter the season of Lent, open our eyes and ears anew through the preaching of your law and gospel to see and hear your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and to cling to him by faith. Lord, in your mercy, preserve your church and her ministers. Give to all pastors courage to embrace gladly the crosses of their office, that following their example, all Christians may also bear the reproach of the world, the attacks of Satan, and the temptations of the flesh in the confidence of Christ's redemption. Bless Katie Larson, Lynn Leiter, Doug Palm, Ashlyn Lewick, Carol David, Cole Peterson, and Matthew Gatchel celebrating baptismal anniversaries. Lord, in your mercy. Preserve marriage and family. Bless Aaron and Janine Walentowski, Bob and Jerry Zaretsky celebrating wedding anniversaries. Preserve the family and all godly Christian homes. Give parents diligence and persistence in their duties to teach the faith in word and example. Keep all children in the promise you made to them in their baptism. Let the patience, kindness, and endurance of Christian love have no end among us. Lord, in your mercy. Preserve the state and its servants under the rule of law. To all whom you have given authority, bestow also the wisdom needed to use it dutifully for the benefit of those under authority. Turn us from every evil in judgment, law, or action, and renew in us and our fellow citizens discernment 
and selflessness. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands we commend all who are recovering from the coronavirus, Dwayne Perry in therapy, Larry Martin recovering from surgery, Jeremy LaFour and his family as he battles ALS, Jim, Brian, Roger, Jill, and Allison who continue their treatment for cancer. Bring healing according to your will, a renewal of health and strength, but above all guard and keep them under the cross of affliction by your grace, in the sure and certain hope of the resurrection. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, what you foretold through the holy prophets has been fulfilled and accomplished in the suffering, death, and resurrection of your Son. You have set forth his passion and resurrection as the firm foundation and content of our faith. Have mercy on us, and open our eyes to be fixed on the Son of David at all times. Give us courage to follow him through all adversity and every assault of the devil, to view his passion with repentant hearts and with delight. For by it you have redeemed us from all sin and evil. Comfort us with the certainty of Christ's resurrection, by which we too have the confidence of eternal life, Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us pray the offertory. up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, holy Lord. Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. For what had been hidden from before the foundation of the world you have made known to the nations in your Son, in him being found in the substance of our mortal nature. You have manifested the fullness of your glory. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying,
Blessed are you, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have had mercy on those whom you created and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive. Renew and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood, as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers. Deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. O Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, in giving us your body and blood to eat and to drink, you lead us to remember and confess your holy cross and passion, your blessed death, your rest in the tomb, your resurrection from the dead, your ascension into heaven, and your coming for the final judgment. So remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
Let us pray. O God, the Father, the fountain and source of all goodness, who in loving kindness sent your only begotten Son into the flesh, we thank you that for his sake you have given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. And we ask you not to forsake your children, but always to rule our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that we may be enabled constantly to serve you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.